Anybody notice anything different? One of these things is not like the other. One of these Sundays is not like before. Some firepower up here this morning. Oh, finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> finally, we're going to quit messing around. We're going to deploy right. the real horsepower, right? Why is there ever not you know, how a I drum changed. solo? I think the drum needs a solo, don't you? Right? Discrimination. Do you notice how I changed firepower to horsepower? Oh. You didn't notice that, did you? No. Wait for it. Never mind. Welcome to ANC. Um, we're going to do things a little different today. We're going to tag team this, and the reason for that is we're going to do something that we haven't done in years. Um, we're going to stick our gum on our notes. That might be the most hideous thing I've ever been asked <laughs> to ignore. <laughs> Germaphobes unite. Um, we're going we're gonna to do, we're going to cover the material that we generally cover in a partner class. We're just going to do it in mass. A couple of reasons for that. One of them is we don't have space. For us to do a midweek development thing for partners is a nightmare because we, we rent this for a couple hours on Sunday. So we're always figuring out how to do that. And the good news is, is we're solving that slowly. Um, hopefully not too long into the new year, we're going to have, uh, we will have solidified our strategic partnership with the church up in town. We'll be doing service on South Lamar. So it doesn't get any better than that. Across the street from Gordo's, next to Matt's El Rancho, about a block and a half from Papalote, probably the best interior Mexican taco place in all of Austin. So that's going to be fun. So one of the reasons is, is it's difficult for us to find the space. The other reasons we're doing it this way is because there are so many new faces here. Have you noticed? Do you feel like a stranger in your own church? Yep. Good. You should. Um, you should also start considering showing up on time. Because they all come on time. And right now I'm resisting pointing out how David is showing up late. And David is one of ours. Hi, David. It's good to see you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> he looked at me and my brain stem connected with his. He's like, please don't notice me. Please don't notice me, right? So those two reasons, we've decided that we were just going to cover the material here. The challenge to that is that there's a lot of material. We generally take about 90 minutes to do this. So we're going to have to do this quick, and we're already off to a bad start because none of those jokes are on this page. No. Okay. So we're going to tag team this. I'm going to cover some sections. Trey's going to cover some sections. We're going to try to stay focused. The reason this is hard to do quickly is because this stuff so deeply matters to us. This church is the product of great imagination, hard work, and lots of hard work to keep it out of the ditch of conventional church. We could all rebuild that really easily because we've all been there. I've served in those places. We could recreate that. But you will see quickly that this is not that. ANC is very, very different. It was birthed uniquely, and it continues to walk a unique pattern. So with that in mind, Trey, why don't you tell us about who... We, oh, first of all, the handouts. Let's do that. Yes, we need a few people to help. We need several people. Um, yeah, just take them in good direction. Also, there's, direction. there's some pens right there, Caleb. Yeah. Here, grab a... I mean, like a crap ton of Let's just do this while you're waiting. How many of you are brand new around here, and this is going to all be new material? Just put Less your hand than up. a month. Yeah. Wave, put your hand up proudly, like you actually meant That's to get okay. here. Welcome. Right. Some, some, somebody who's got a good math brain, lift your hand again if you're new around here. Somebody stand up and give me a rough estimate what percentage of the crowd is new. Put your hand up new. Drew, can you estimate our crowd for us? I'll give you 30 Thirty percent. Twenty-five. Never trust a musician when he talks about numbers. Thirty <laughs> percent. So that's exciting. Okay. Once you get your hand out, there's some spaces to fill in that you can catch as we go. Um, we did the spaces to keep you awake, basically. That's so right. stick with us. We're gonna jump right in. Um, I'm gonna pray. 
Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let's pray. Let's pray real quick. I mean, we're this is this is all God's time, and so let's just pray for it and and pray that He would uh, be with us. Father, thank you for allowing us to congregate in this place called Bailey Middle School on this Sunday morning. Father, pray uh, for us as a church, Father, that we clearly communicate what you would have us uh, communicate this morning. Father, we pray that it's honoring and glorifying to you, uh, and we offer it up to you. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, you should have the handout by now. If not, it should be on the way quickly. Um, we're going to start out with the pastoral staff. And, I, if I, and this is, again, this is just like a partner class. How many of you guys have been through partner class already? Let's see that. Probably another 25 to 30%. Okay, so there's... Anyway, that's good. So um, the staff and managerial, managerial staff is myself, uh, and I oversee operations, finance, pastoral, and I'm on the board of advi- advisory board. Jason Morris is a teaching general pastoral, and he's also on the board. Lamar Stockton's the worship leader and on the board. Allison Morris is uh, kids and family. Uh, Stephanie Swan is the admin to Kids and Family. Shay Jones, is she in here? Shay. She oversees our youth and students. Um, and then also on our advisory board is Brandon Hatmaker, teaching and on the board. And then Laura Jennings, who also does a fabulous job teaching and right. is on the board. So that's, uh, that's the pastoral staff and advisory board. Um, so ANC history, where we came from. Uh, just briefly, uh, it, how many of you have read Barefoot Church? Okay, probably the same folks who uh, have been through partner class. We, um, we actually have those today for some of you, and we'll weed you out in a minute. But um, the story goes like this. Uh, Austin New Church was, was born on a Sunday uh, night, basically, uh, on, at, on an Easter Sunday night at a church called Vox Finale in East Austin. Some of you know that church. Um, Brandon and Jen were down there uh, listening to a guy named Shane Claiborne, who is this huge radical justice guy, wrote, help me out. Irresistible Revolution. Irresistible Revolution, Jesus for President, uh, wears clothes made out of just gunny sacks or whatever. Just a crazy hippie dude and uh, just is awesome. Um, But they were down there and he was speaking. And as it was wrapping up, he said, you know, one of the things, he said he'd been in San Antonio for the day. And one of the things that he... um, asked the church, he went to a church in San Antonio made up of basically a lot of homeless folks and a large ministry there and asked, what is your greatest need? And they said, we could really use good shoes, actually boots, because what happens is people give us, out of the goodness of their heart, sometimes they'll give us their old wore out shoes or their boots that have no tread left on them or whatever. We could use some new boots and new shoes. And so um, this, this gathering that evening, they'd already finished up and they're about to do communion. And Shane says, listen, I've been to that church, and they have a need. What I'd like to see, if, you, if you're compelled to, is to leave your shoes, leave your socks at the altar. Uh, we'll wash the socks. We'll take the shoes and, and give those to that homeless church down in San Antonio. And so uh, they did. Um, the, you know, Brandon talks about he's wearing brand-new boots, and Jen's wearing hers, too, that they just got each other for Christmas, and it was a big deal. Kind of your heart just kind of sinks for a second, and then you go, oh, well, I could always go buy a new pair, you know, have means and all that stuff, but there's always that check in your gut and your spirit. Uh, but they left the shoes, left the socks, and walked out of that church, turned around and looked up at the church and, and kind of was prompted by God in that moment to go, that's what I want my church to look like, is, is, a, is a church 
a barefoot church. All these people walking out. Oh, point of fact, this was that Easter that it froze about 12, 10, 11 years ago. Do you remember that? They're all walking down this frozen stairs of this church barefooted. Everybody's smiling because they probably can't think of anything else to do but smile. <laughs> and uh, God, God kind of whispers, that's what I want my church to look like, a barefoot mm-hmm. church. And so that's the, the name of Brandon's book. Austin New Church is that barefoot church. Uh, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you know anything about ANC or you've been around a while, you know that we, we kind of replicate that every Easter where we do this huge boot drive. And we've been given. have we done it two years, three years? Uh, two, I think. Yeah. Two? This will be our third. Okay. Um, where we put out the word to bring shoes. We give away about 1,000 pairs of, of boots and shoes to the homeless community in downtown Austin every Easter. And so we'll talk about that some more in a minute. So just to, just to give you some summary, not tweets because those are ruined now, but some summary concepts, you'll notice that we are a very lean staff. One of the things I'm most proud about is that we don't spend an awful lot of money in keeping a church office open and administrative staff and secretaries that make copies and all of that. I'm asked all the time, how, do, how does a church that size function with, with that size staff? And that's just kind of how we go. I'm proud of that. I'm also proud of our history because this means we are set on a trajectory to be different than every other church that I've been part of and maybe hopefully that you've been part of. It's interesting. We all have mega church in our pedigree for whatever reason. Brandon was a uh, a fast-rising young executive pastor in a big megachurch machine here in town. I was part of the same thing, but in a church in Houston. Um, uh, Trey has served for years at a church in Corpus, and that is distinctly not what we're trying to build. So you'll, you'll notice that we don't have a lot of angst about the fact that we're not as big as most people think we're going to be when they walk in the door because I'm going to Jen Hatmaker's church. Surely there's going to be free noonday stuff everywhere, and the lights are going to be amazing and smoke. And where's right? the coffee? Where's right. the coffee? Where's the green room and the coffee? You know, all the, the, the responsibly sourced hemp-designed uh, uh, lectern, whatever. Um, so that's not, and that's on purpose. That's actually intentional. We work very hard at doing that, creating that, um, just that different thing. We will hover over the line between nonprofit and church forever. That's kind of who we are. And if that disturbs you, then let's have some conversations, but... If you need this to be the replica of some other program-based church that you've been part of, I think we'll disappoint you fast. It won't even take us long um, because we're trying to do something different. We're trying to keep people on mission, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about being up in South Austin because that's what God is up to. He's doing lots of stuff. Our vision isn't to, you know, relocate in a place that all of Austin comes to our church. That we, that we wouldn't cross the street for that, to be honest. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. We want to get closer to what God is doing in our city because that's what we love the most. So that's something different about us. A couple of distinctives, and you, know, you might have some gaps to fill in, so this will be real exciting for you. Blanks. Some blanks, not gaps, blanks. I think in terms of gaps because I have so many kids in, in ortho right now. <laughs> um, distinctives, things that are unique about us. I'm going to try not to dig in too deep here because I love the fact that we're different in these ways. Number one, uh, you'll notice that ANC is a culture of acceptance. Most places that I have served or grown up in tend to organize around the following sort of flow chart. Number one, we're a church because we all believe the same thing, right? So if you believe in trap kits on stage for worship, that means you're that kind of church. If you believe in pastors in robes and incense, that means you're that kind of church. But organized around, generally speaking, first, people who believe the same. Then, then people who, who, who behave the same, right? And if you don't think that's true, then go ahead and do something a little bit off the reservation and watch the axe fall. Does that, does that bring up some scars in your past? Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor's kid. You could see on my back some scars that come from 
from being raised in that space. But generally speaking, it's first you believe the same, then you behave the same, and then you get to enjoy the spoils of belonging to that particular community. That is not how we see church. This is a culture that welcomes people to journey with us. We're organized around this kind of flow. First you belong. Why? Well, because Jesus said so. First you belong, no exception. Second, over time, if you tarry with us, if you walk, that's an old word, Terry. Right? All the Pentecostals in the room say, I don't know how to tarry in the upper room, right? Anybody shaking their head? Yeah. Um, if you walk with us, then eventually what you believe will probably change. It will never resolve to the point where you believe the same thing as everybody else in this room because we're not, that's just not who we are. But your beliefs will change. And over time, you will become something that you weren't. But first of all, and foundationally concrete, is that you belong. Mm-hmm. You belong here because you belong to God. No exceptions. And so that's a big part of who we are. Did you want to jump in? I thought you, you no, I'm getting just, nervous. You've probably thrown, anybody get those blanks filled in? Culture no. of acceptance. He was all over. Belong, believe, accept- become. Yeah. There you go. Okay? And it's in that order. Belong, believe, become. Okay, second point there. A persistent focus on the poor, on the marginalized, I should say. That's, you're right. Sorry, Trey. A persistent focus on the marginalized. We are going to always strive to be at that tattered fringe where actually needy people need the word of hope. We're going to strive to be there. Why? I think the church makes most sense there. When we get away from those places, then we just kind of recycle and redefine the precision of our beliefs and all of that. But, but it's the margin where we're going to thrive. So we're going to focus on the marginalized. We serve the marginal, ma, marginalized and the poor because we encounter Christ in that exchange. See, it's not, we don't go to the edges of our city to invite people to come to our church. We go to the edges of our city to encounter the broken because we encounter Jesus in the exchange. You get the difference? Yeah, Brandon wrote in, in his book, he said, Jesus tricked us. That's right. Because ANC was born out of the vision to, to be about the kingdom and serve the poor. And it's not like, you know, and, and Scripture tells us the poor are always going to be among us. And we're not going to solve homelessness. We're not going to solve single motherhood. We're not going to sing, you know, we're not going to solve the, the, the problems of our community. But Jesus meets us there. Mm. Because he's with the brokenhearted, he's with the downtrodden, and so we get to experience that. And that's what's so great about our Restore Weekends, which are coming up. We'll hit that again in a minute, too. Okay, so a persistent focus on the marginalized. All right, the next point, a pursuit of unity versus unanimity. If you need help spelling the word unanimity, look to the person next to you. I'm sure they're no closer. This is a heavy deal. I find myself in this conversation all over the country when I travel around. People say, you know, what's... What's up at A&C? Why are you guys, you know, I'm hearing some splash in the news. Like, what's the deal? Here's, here's, the, here's the deal for us. To gather with a couple hundred people with whom you share unanimous opinions is not even hard. It's not even hard work. Those churches exist by the dozen around us. It's not even difficult. That doesn't stretch you. That doesn't grow you. It doesn't force you to press into the deeper reality of the body of Christ, which is this. We are invited into unity, which is a much higher ideal than unanimity. I can hang with people who vote the same and drive the same thing and kind of do the same things as me, and it just becomes an echo chamber. You know the echo chamber. It's the right side of your Facebook page. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about. It's your news feed tailored to your interests. It's designed to make you feel better about the things you already feel good about. We believe church is about unity. Paul writes about unity, and Paul always writes letters right into the middle of dissension and division saying, stay in this together and get over the details. Don't add things to it. So unity versus unanimity is actually a profound way around which we organize our community. So that's going to be a distinctive. I'm so proud of that. 
It's so much easier just to, just to organize people around what you like and what you believe and then do a 30-year mortgage on a building that we hope that our kids are going to pay for, right? I mean, that, that's relatively easy. The next point, a balance between the gathering and the sending aspects of the local church. The gathering and the sending aspects. You see, there's, what's unique about us as a people is that we're gathered for the purpose of being sent. We're gathered for the purpose of being poured out for the broken. We're not gathered for the purpose of hanging out together. That's a comment against most of my life in the church. We're not gathered for the sake of consuming your dance card and your social life with things where people are just great parents and amazing people and wonderfully married and everybody just gets together and just kind of hangs out and talks about the same things in the same records, goes to the same shows and does all of that. Nope, we're gathered for a purpose. Every resource that we are together is designed to be poured out. So we are also sent. We're gathered and we're sent and we're always gonna hover between those two things. Here's how you know. Every time a month has five Sundays, we shut this down. We power it down. Why? Because we are sent people. So your invitation will be to join us at five or six places around the city over that weekend where we're actually going to paint and serve and change diapers and play kickball and do stuff. Why? Because we believe that that's what the gospel asks us to do. We're to hover between that gathering and that sending. And that last point there, did you want to? Yeah, I was going to jump in there too yeah. on this. Is, is one of the things that we always push at ANC is mission. That's the sending impulse of the gospel. That's going out in the community and doing things. And you'll, you'll feel like that, that is our main thrust. But I was told a long time ago, um, it's kind of like if you ever learned to play basketball and you're right-handed, you always dribble right-handed as a kid. Well, it, the, the, the impulse or the thing that we should do, the co- if you were coached well, was tie the right hand behind the back and go left. Always dribble with your left. And, you know, if you always got a basketball in your hand, go left. Uh, that is what we're trying to do with the church because we could do this. This is easy. Sunday morning is easy. Gathering is easy. But, but sending is hard. And we are, we are gathered to be sent. So that's why we do that. Go. Right, which is this last point, which is really simple. It's fun. Uh, ANC will always be organizationally simple. We're always going to be on the simple side of complex. Okay, So church is. Church does what it is. These are your blanks. Come on, you can catch up. Church is. Church does what it is, and then church organizes what it does. Organizes what it does. And why is that important? Because the church that moves into town and organizes and then expects to start acting like a church because we need everybody to come justify our programs kind of gets it wrong for us. We believe the church is. The kingdom of God is in Austin, and it's up to stuff, with or without us, right? It does what it is, and it organizes what it does. And so that's kind of our simple flow. Okay. We're... uh, the next little line there is we're organized around and driven by the following vision. Vision's the blank. Awesome new church. And, and we taught on this. Was this in the spring? Yes. We started in January and did these eight. Yeah, we taught, we taught on this in the spring. But um, Austin New Church is a New Testament church that seeks to love God and learn and live the ways of Jesus. We believe there are spiritual, relational, and physical needs in every community. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa taught us that. Our hope is to expose, experience, and engage those needs. Expose, experience, and engage those needs in order to be good news to our neighbors, our city, and our world. And exposure for us can be a, can be a restore weekend. That's where something pops on your radar and you finally, you know, your, your eyes are open to that. Experience, you can actually get in, roll up your sleeves, and do something about it. And then the hard work is once you've been exposed and experienced, actually it's probably not hard. Then your heart is toward that, and you engage it on your own. Mm. Uh, we're again, we're a sent people. We're always released to do ministry, however God is calling that in our lives. So we believe that once you experience, 
once you once you're exposed, once you experience, and then you'll engage. And I see I, I'm looking around the room. I see examples of that all over. You guys are doing that. So um, we see a church that's driven by God's vision for unity to be bold and innovative and partnering across denominations. And I'll let you read the rest of that. But one good example of this for me is mobile loaves and fishes. Mm-hmm. Alan Graham is the most Catholic man that I know. Alan Graham is the most godly man that I know, except for he cusses like a sailor. But so do you, Brenda. So, you oh, know. Dang. Anyway. Um, no. I, I, I love the man, but super-duper Catholic. Uh, but he's, you know what? He talks about kingdom. He talks about kingdom. That crosses all denominations. That crosses all bridges and all that stuff. And he, he is a bridge builder and a uniter of people. Or he wouldn't be able to pull off what he's pulled off over the last 15, 20 years with Mobile Loaves and Fishes and now Community First. So he's a great example. So very simply, our ecumenical posture towards what God is doing in the city does not presuppose that he's only up to what we can see and experience. Mm -hmm. Okay? Very, very, very important. He's moving beyond the boundaries of the tribe that we love. In fact, he's calling us to drop the walls of the tribe that we love and be alive in a world where God is up to all sorts of things across boundaries. I know some dynamic Lutheran pastors in town that frankly challenge my way of doing life. I know the Anglican priest right down here on, on uh, South First Street, or on Manchac, I'm sorry. So we're not assuming that God is only doing what he's doing within the little purview that we see. I don't know if that's refreshing to you. That should be refreshing to you. So we are post-tribal, ecumenical in posture. Keep going. Post-matching t-shirts? Right. Although we have some. Shay, do we still have t-shirts? Just kidding. Um, so we see a church that cares passionately for the oppressed, the abandoned, the helpless, and those in spiritual, relational, and physical need. We believe the church, it's the church's responsibility to lead this movement in both our community and throughout the world and is driven by social justice. That's what we're about. I mean, that's, if, you, if you have been here more than a minute, you know that about this church. And we push you, put you in very uncomfortable positions sometimes. And I'm sorry, but that's what we're called to do. We see a church that values worship and exalts God. We believe that when God is lifted up, we have the privilege of experiencing his presence and have a greater opportunity to discern his truth. That is the, again, we value worship. We, ga- we value the gathering. We value the gathering. We also see a church, we, we see a, a church where people can find biblical community. And this isn't just something that you check the box. I went to a Wednesday night group and... I did my thing. This is people you want to do life with. I heard something this morning. Some, guy, some people were able to go to ACL because somebody watched somebody else's kids. I'm like, that's life, you know? Um, well, I guess it depends on who they saw. If oh. they saw Chance the Rapper, that's clearly life. That's a, joke. <laughs> anyway. that's a joke for everybody under 18. Right. You guys are like, Chance the what? Never mind. Check yeah. it out. But a lot of, but a lot of folks, I, I don't even know what that is. I was just, <laughs> I was just nodding. Anyway. Um, but genuine community, Thing, pe- people you want to hang out with and want to be with, and even if the church closed down tomorrow, you'd continue to be with those people. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We see a church that inspires people to learn and live the example of Christ. We expect people to be Jesus in their communities. That's the incarnational witness that we have. You know, we're plan A. We're, we're God's plan A, believe it or not, and there is no plan B. He said, he told us to go make disciples and be good news. And there is no plan B. So, sorry. Um, We see a church that equips believers and values biblical teaching. Mm. We have a high view of scripture, people. 
despite what some of your parents might say. We believe that the truth of Scripture is relevant and transcends time and culture. We see a church that values each individual's personal gifts and abilities. We believe that each person of the body of Christ should discover and use their gifts to God's glory and serving, and serving others. And we're not going to cram everybody. We don't believe everybody in the church should do homeless ministry. We don't believe everybody in the church should go read to kids, underprivileged kids, or, or go to the state hospital and play games with mentally challenged people. But there's an opportunity to go expose yourself to that, experience that, and if, if it fits, then engage that. So are you saying that there's actually people in our church whose God's gift might be to make world-class guitars? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, dang. Yes. Dang, Mike, you're in. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I, I, you know, I wrote say that Mike book. Delaney. I just, I, I, I was so, I was, <laughs> you know, how, do, how does Mike engage hurricane need? Well, Mike builds guitars, and he thought, well, I'll just build a guitar, and I'll start a fundraiser. And he raised over 10000 over $11,000 for hurricane relief by, by doing what he does. So we all have that, whatever that is. I mean, we all don't build guitars, but we all have something in a way. Last week we introduced Help One Now, the, the Help One Classroom initiatives, and 13 people that last Sunday morning said, I want to sign up to do that. And that's basically just using my giving, my circles, my social influence, and getting people to come aboard and help fund a classroom at the, to the tune of about $2,500. We're not asking you to write a check for $2,500, but we're asking you to use your influence, tell the story, and get people to jump in, jump in with you and use their influence and fund these classrooms. And so that was pretty good last week. And then we see a church that, that's passionate about starting new churches. Um, we believe that, that as church, uh, church plant ourselves, that's kind of our call. We've done it, we've done it over five times already. We haven't done it probably in our recent past, just, I don't know, we just haven't. Uh, but we've, we've uh, launched out three, we've, we've helped a, a refugee church in Houston, and, we, we, uh, and, we've, and if you've been here long, you've seen guys come and you've seen guys go. Remember Jake Lindsay, anybody? If you've been around? Um, we had him come and then he went over to a church in Terry, uh, Terry Road Baptist Church and we had a, another couple of guys that came and left and uh, another guy that came in and taught for a while and then he planted a church up north and now he's moved up to the northeast somewhere, but northwest somewhere. Um, but we're a sending church. We, we, don't, we hold what we have loosely and so, you know, we're, we welcome people and, and we still want to be about church planting. We just haven't had the opportunity lately. So I still think that's on the radar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops as we strategically realign with United Methodist Church in town because they're, they're already deeply involved in multiple efforts to plant churches, mostly in, in areas where um, those, those parishes have suffered and they're just kind of an atrophy. The brilliance of how they organize is that the denomination holds the title on the building, so their mission isn't done if the congregation can't survive. They revitalize and replant. And I'm just willing to bet you that we're going to get ourselves involved in some of that at some point. We've got big mouths, and uh, we, we, we're going to get involved in that again in some way. Okay, so let's, let's look at point number four, what we believe. This is, now, now look at me real close here. Let me see your eyeballs. You're going to see about three or four things on the list of things we believe. Why is that? Why don't we have 82 points? Martin Luther had 95 theses that he nailed to the Wittenberg castle door. Why are we not super long on beliefs? Well, that's actually intentional. 
What allows us to be ecumenical in posture is the fact that we hover over a very few solid things that we agree upon, and the rest, guess what? That's up to God to work out in your life. So I hope what you see when you look at these three things that what we believe is that we're, we're nails on the essentials, but on the non-essentials, we're ecumenical, we're open, and, we're, and, we're, and we're, we're willing to partner with what God is up to. So what do we believe about Jesus Christ? Well, very simply, that he's the greatest revelation to humankind of who God is, what God is, what God wants, what he demands, what sort of, what sort of character are we dealing with. He's not only the purest vision of who he is, he's also uh, the, the truest revelation of who we can be. See, this way in which the material of our world co-dwells, you fill in the word you want right there, I like co-dwells, or co-inhabits space with the divine in such that no one can decide what part of Christ is earthly, what part is heavenly, how do we make sense of this? A million pages have been written to decipher this. The bottom line is Jesus is our future. The way in which man and God dwell in such a place that it infuses the material with that divine nature, that is the purest thing God ever said. That's not only a revelation of God, that's a revelation of who we are and his intention for us. I could go for weeks on that, but we won't. Every aspect of our faith and devotion, every piece of our doctrine, every point of our vision for the city, everything we do, every aspect of church structure and governance should harmonize with what we know to be true about God and Jesus Christ. This is how we're able to get over some of the fine lines that other people divide and subdivide and re-subdivide over because if you press it through the grid of what is Jesus like in the world, I promise you Jesus is loving to the outsider. You say, well, this person, no, you, you don't understand. This is, listen, our biblical theology falls under our vision of who Jesus is. Jesus is boundary-violating, unconditional love for all. That's going to inform how we structure this place. I'm getting excited. I'm so sorry. About the church. Trey's like, move on. What time do the Cowboys play today? They don't. They don't. We go all day. That's it. And the uh, Longhorns did no. their best yesterday, so there's nothing to go home and watch. I'm just telling you. There's no men's soccer, right? Texas? Texans. Okay, Texans. What are the Texans? You mean the Oilers? Never mind. Dang it. About the church. Here's, I know, that's just insulted half the room. He's a soccer guy. That's right. I'm a soccer guy, and I'm not a U.S. men's national team guy, so I'm not really depressed. Stick to the notes. Okay, about the church. Here's what we believe about the church. This is our ecclesiology. If you like those words that tie to, um, you know, theological things, here's what we believe. The community of faith must never be less than a safe and welcoming place for the outsider, the outcast, and the insider. Essentially, what we're doing is we're using three words to start with O to say all. The church can never be less than safe for all, okay? Regardless of where a person might be in their journey, and we make no assumptions about where your journey is, regardless of where you are in that journey, the church must be a place to experience grace and forgiveness, like those who interacted with Jesus. You see that? Whatever the church does, it has to mirror the way Christ walked in this world, the church should strive to be contextually relevant. We're doing that all the time. Constantly interpreting and reinterpreting her tone and language to invite the onlooking world into the truth of God's unconditional love as revealed in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I would stake my life on that paragraph. I've spent a lifetime in the church wondering, scratching my head, getting degrees, thinking it through. This is the church that I believe in. This is the church that I believe in. This is shaping who we are as, as, as a community. That third point, what do we believe about the Bible? We, we get a fair amount of scrutiny on this question. Here's, what we, here's uh, the, the nutshell of our biblical theology. While Jesus is the purest word of God, our only historical access to him is the Bible. So therefore, it's divinely inspired in its writing, in its preservation, in its application 
totally reliable and life-producing when prayerfully studied and applied by the faithful. Okay? It is reliable to bring life when dropped in the lap of a community who seeks to understand with the power of the Holy Spirit, how then shall we live? That's our biblical theology. It stands above every other thing that has ever been written as an invitational narrative of God's redemptive involvement with humankind. Man, I hope you appreciate those words. There's a few words we leave out there because we believe that they're needlessly mechanical and hopelessly modern in their critique and how they apply the word. And this has to be, listen, it breathes life. That's why we organize our life around the word. Our only access to the historical man, Jesus Christ, came because somebody sat down and wrote about it. We value that. And we consume that as a community, not as individuals, because I can't be trusted where to draw the lines. I can't be trusted who to include. I can't be trusted to simply be the only person who understands the revelation of God. That's where you come in, and that's always been the design. So there you go, our Christology, our ecclesiology, and our biblical theology. Therefore, we hold the following scriptural tenets of evangelical orthodox faith. So we are evangelical in the sense that we are invitational, not in the sense that we vote a particular way. Don't be fooled by that brand. It's been co-opted. Did you ever get that email? If you get an email from me, it's probably spam. You know what I'm talking about? If you get a text or whatever, don't open it. Don't open a connection because be careful of that word because there's been some branding of late that puts that in a different sort of light than what we're saying. What we're saying is we're historically evangelical in the sense that we believe the gospel is an open invitation to all. That's what that means. And we're orthodox in our faith in the sense that we hold true to the tenets of orthodox historic Christian faith and I believe that our orthodoxy would stand up against anything. So I've got some scriptures there um, for, to help you understand what that all means. Bottom line is, we are evangelical, and we are orthodox, and we're trying to work this out. You're never going to hear us stop yearning and churning and asking and wondering and poking and prodding and redirecting and redirecting and redirecting how to live out our faith in Austin because we believe that's the point. It's not a system. It's not add water and stir. It's not plug it in and watch it dance. It's a group of people who seek to be used by Christ with an open posture of what he's doing in, 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 our, in, in Austin. So there you go. That's point number four. Go ahead. Okay, point number five is um, if you were around in the fall, uh, we, we rolled out this vision, this, uh, this statement, um, if you will, um, because we were, we, we were asked to. Um, Mike Delaney was at one of those meetings, and he says, so basically, after reading this statement, ANC is still the church that it was when I signed up over a year ago. And so basically, that's the truth, and it's, and it's the, it's the tr- truth of, of how ANC started 10 years ago. But this statement looks a little bit like this. Um, the elders of ANC, this is regarding LGBT inclusion in the church, and I'm sorry I didn't put the cue on there. Um, the elders of ANC have engaged in hours of prayer, scripture, study, research, and conversation. Some have found there to be reasonable and informed arguments for the maintaining of traditional view on homosexuality, and some have found there to be reasonable and informed arguments for creating space for a new position on homosexuality. By this we mean when when sexuality is lived out in the context of a monogamous lifelong commitment. However, as a board, we are not in complete agreement. Thus, our individual conclusions should not be considered as definitive and absolutely certain. However, we are certain that there must, we must find a path forward. ANC is committed to be a place where everyone can belong, believe, and become, and in that order. As elders, where we do not land on a single certainty as a group, we believe Scripture points us toward love. We choose grace. We choose inclusive over exclusive. We believe the redemptive gospel is at work 
in this discussion and remind you that there are real lives being impacted by our decision. We are not saying that everyone has to agree with or even find a specific position, but we are saying we believe that no one faithfully seeking God should be discriminated against nor excluded from full church life. For the sake of the gospel, it's our responsibility to navigate this tension well and extend the same amount of grace to others that has been extended to us. In the words of the Apostle Paul, there is no one righteous, not even one. With this in mind, we make the two appeals to the ANC family. First is the the appeal for unity. We don't believe this is a topic that has to divide the church. The creeds and covenants that have long determined orthodoxy for the church are silent on this subject. Prior to denominationalism, this discussion was never categorized as primary importance. In a consistently changing context, we believe Christians should be able to disagree yet peacefully and graciously worship and serve together in Christ's love. And then also we, there, there was an appeal for dignity. We believe that discussion is going to be increasingly urgent in all churches. For the sake of dignity, we appeal to you to fight for grace by allowing space at ANC for anyone seeking to explore faith in a way in which their sexuality is not considered the defining element of their identity. ANC must remain a safe place for discovering faith, asking questions, and giving and living, excuse me, without fear of condemnation. Anything less strips the individual of their God-given dignity. Okay, so hey, hold, hold space for that one, one second. Just inhale and exhale, and let me point out to you what you have in front of you. We were not in the same place as a board of advisors, board of elders on this. And yet, am I right? Is this full of hope and grace and humility? Here's the thing. Half the people in your life who are so positive and so certain, ask them the things they were positive and certain about 10 years ago. Here's what I can tell you I'm positive about. We will be a community that shows grace, no matter what. No matter what. And I find this to be, I I love reading those words and rereading those words because here's what has happened since last fall. Now, if you're new, you may not know this. We lost a tremendous amount of our people over this. Our hope was to hold it all together so you could sit next to people who see the world differently. And there are major demographics of that conversation that simply opted out because we are now too dangerous because we don't believe the Bible. But look what God has brought. Look at the sweet, amazing, bulletproof, shame-resilient people that God has brought into our community. There is wind in our sails like there has not been in years. So I ask you, what's the downstream fruit of saying We're not going to invest in certainty. We're going to invest in grace and say we will hold space for all. That ought to make your heart leap out of your chest, whether you're gay or straight, whether you you have someone in your family who is, whether you know that there's even shame around this subject as a local church. That ought to make you proud. This is the invitation of God in the world. Not to control it, not to decide who gets taken off the guest list at the table. Our job is to set the table and to serve whoever God draws. And I think we're doing that. And you, you mark my words. One year from today, it's going to even look different. It's going to even look, it's going to look even, even, even more interesting in, in, in ways when we move this up into the city where this is the working sociological assumption anyway, y'all. Most people in, in the OFR are going to look at us and say, well, of course, you're inclusive. And I can't wait to get into that space. So I can over-talk this because it's been 40 years I've been trying to find this church. 40 years. And here we are. And I'm so excited. Meet some of the people around you that don't agree with you. Encounter Jesus in their journey. You talk about resilience. 
some of us have never had to live with what they've had to live with. We welcome them. I'm proud of that document. So and that's then, part and then of it. and then touch touch on fully inclusive. We so so there's there's a continuum. I'm going to do it like a teacher would do it. So over here on your left would be traditional view of marriage, right? Man, woman, absolutely everything else is sin. Traditional. Over here would be affirming, which says we celebrate, affirm, we ask no questions, just whatever, whatever, whatever is okay. ANC is not exactly over here, but we're like right here in the sense that we say on a case-by-case basis, we will celebrate what, what has the hand of God on it. That means whether it's gay or straight or whatever that is, we will celebrate as a community and we will include to every level of service and volunteerism people who fall anywhere on that continuum. This means, see, most churches will say anyone is welcome. But watch, you can't serve our kids. You can't volunteer in teen ministry. Oh, I suppose you're too dangerous to be around teenagers if you're gay. Uh, and you also can't, what's the other thing you can't do? You, you could never serve as an elder or on the board of advisors. When we say we are inclusive, we say we hold nothing back. There are no two categories of this community. So if you are approached and you are nominated and God's hand is on you to lead as an elder, we are saying that there is no disqualifying factor based on where you are. If God is asking you to serve in the space with kids and children, this is where we've lost a lot of people, y'all. You know what? Let's just be unfiltered on a Sunday morning. I'm just telling you straight, we've lost a lot of people because they have said, you know what? I can sit next to people who are different than me, but if they're teaching my kids, I'm out. And they're out. And they're gone. When we say inclusive, we mean inclusive. So this is where we are. We're not all exactly in the same spot. We're all in a different part of the journey. Hopefully that models how it is that the, the body of Christ is organized anyway. Trey and I, we're not exactly the same kind of person. That's supposed to be funny. Y'all are supposed to know. Trey, you know what's so funny about this? Trey's one of the guys I miss the most. I've just spent the whole last week in Colorado Springs with foster and adoptive dads at a retreat. And I would never have guessed this in a million years that a guy, a guy who used to play football for Alabama would have anything to do with a guy like me. We're just on opposite sides of nearly everything, but God has done something so interesting. It's a little microcosm of what this church is, we're, we're trying to be. We see things differently. He smokes cigars, I smoke pipes. He drinks Coors. I wouldn't waste my time. I'm relatively sure there's like a plumbing contraption that goes from the no. bat. Never mind. If it's not micro, it's not worth your time. And, but my, my, my point is, get back to the notes. My point is, we're, we're not in the exact same place. And yet, I think if you push the button, what you will find is grace and inclusion. Why? Because it's an understanding of our role in the world. It's not to decide who's in. It's to love. You get that? This is why our Christology reigns supreme over every other thing we do, because Christ was a welcoming presence in the world, mostly to the broken and the outsiders, and that was the great big surprise. And so we, that's, that's kind of how we live. That's kind of how we do it. So I'm proud of that. The document took lots of hours, did it not, Laura? You just touched my gum. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm going to put this hand behind my head. Okay, so what does this mean for you? Partnership defined. Very simply, here's, guys, we don't have members. We have partners. Why? Because members have benefits. Partners have responsibilities. We're organized around you discovering your talent and you deploying that. And so here's what we expect of you. Number one, the role of a partner, serve and lead to the maximum capacity of your gift. Serve and lead, whatever that is. If that's yoga, that's fine. If that's teaching, that's fine. If that's accounting, bring it. If it's administrative, bring it. You add, you fill in the gap. Serve and lead. Number two, nominate board members. We're going to start a process soon where we're going to begin to look for a couple of people that God's grace might be on to help us lead this from an advisory position. We've lost 
part of our board over the last years, sort of the way we've navigated. Number three, serve on the board if you're elected. Get ready. Number four, have a voice in ratifying the annual budget. That doesn't seem like a big deal, but if you follow where the dollars go in this church and you get to understand where that happens, I think, I think you'd be proud. We are missionally organized and we are lean. Uh, another thing, have a voice in major decisions. Okay, so that's the role of a partner. That's essentially what we expect of you. Partnership is a commitment to Christ as Savior, foundationally, right? It's also quip, a, a commitment to follow Christ in baptism. Listen, we're not the kind of church that says you don't get to enjoy the spoils of belonging if you've not been baptized. We ask this question, why would you not? We do it in a horse trough because we're A and C. And we do it in the wrong time of year sometimes and we have to really work hard to make the water warm because it's cool outside for us. Cold front, 65 degrees. Freezing cold, right? So we would ask that question, why would you not take that public step and say, I identify myself with Christ? So we ask you to do that. Uh, It's a commitment to growing in your personal journey. It's a commitment to worship attendance. Again, we're not going to be the kind of church that says if you don't show up every Sunday. But here's what I would ask you. If you take four or five, six weeks, seven weeks off because you're just too busy doing other things, something in your life only comes, comes out when you gather with people of faith doing this work. When you're just resistant to that, I think oftentimes people will come to us and say, I'm leaving A and C. There's no community there. And you look at them and say, well, when's the last time you've been to church? It's been eight weeks. So worship attendance, okay? I'm trying to learn how Jen makes statements with her face. <laughs> she does it. Uh, maybe it's the fish lure earrings, the bass, right. the bass assassin earrings. Or, I don't know how she does it. I'm trying to learn how to do that. I know. Nobody's thought that, have you? No, you haven't. I'm the only one who thinks those terrible thoughts. I'm like, if I put a hook in that, I bet you I could. Anyway. <laughs> Following Christ's baptism, personal journey, worship attendance, prayer for your church. We covet that. We really do. We covet that. Sacrificial giving. This means not just giving the extra, but actually getting behind things like Help One Now and Relief in Houston. Fighting for community. Here's the thing, guys. Check this out. This is true. If you have community, it's because you have found it and you have worked through awkward to achieve it and maintain it. If you're waiting for it to happen to you, it doesn't hap- it's not like gray hair. Community is not like bald spots. It doesn't just happen to you. You've got to fight for it. We started using that word a couple years ago because this is exactly what we mean. Sometimes your early attempts to be in community are super awkward. And you've got to swallow hard and get over that weird feeling. You've got to try again. And you've got to try again. It took me three tries to find a restore group. Three tries. First one was terrible for everybody else's fault. Second one was everybody else's fault. And so was the third one. But by the fourth one, I got all the right people. No, but that's what I mean. You've got to fight for it. We're also at, the partnership is a commitment to learning to live on mission. And this is going to be reflected in your checkbook, guys. Sorry. It's going to be reflected in how you spend your time. Sorry. Your weekends. Sorry. We actually mean that. Learning to live on mission. We are to be deployed for the good of the world. Last, serving in community and then volunteering regularly. So this is what we expect of you as a partner if you choose to cast in with us and say, we're in with you. This is what's expected of you. That's not a list of passive things. It's not sit and critique. It's not decide uh, what color the pews are going to be. This is, this is active kingdom stuff. You don't have to believe everything we believe. I'm not sure the disciples of Jesus believed everything he believed, but they did stuff. They, they did something about it, and that's what we're inviting you to do. I, to, I just want to say this. Uh, when, when we did lose a large number of people in the fall, uh, we, rallied, we rallied the troops, basically. We, we, we ask you all... 
to, to, if, you're, to if you're in, be in. Be all in. And a lot of you are serving in areas, it's like you're serving in kids, but you don't want to, but you're needed, so you do. Uh, a lot of you have stepped up and, and, and have made financial giving a priority. And, and, it's, and this church came through the summer like it's never come through summer before. We're not, we're, I mean, we're, we're okay. Meaning, meaning financially? Financially, we're fine. Better position coming into September than ever before. And so I'm super proud of this body, the way that they responded yeah. and the way that you guys serve, the way that you guys give, and the way that you guys continue to, I mean, sign-ups for Dinners for Ten were off the charts. I mean, they're bigger than they've ever been, and we've got fewer people. So that's crazy. But everybody wants to be a part of stuff that's going on. So I will throw this little advertisement in real quick. I'm going to be sending out an email this week about Restore Weekend. I expect those numbers to be high, and I expect you all to sign up as soon as you get the email. So that's just a little request. Anyway, next. So that's you, buddy. The partner process? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, number seven is the partner process. Uh, We ask that you have a season of observation. Observation. If you're brand new to this church and you've been here for, say, less than a month, we just ask you to just hang out. There's no pressure. We're not, we're not trying to make everybody in this room a partner of A&C. Okay? That's not what partner class is about. It's about just laying it out there for you. And if you choose to be in, be in. Um, but first, check out who we are. Mm. Hang out with us. Serve with us. Experience what we're doing. Um, if you hear of an opportunity to do something, do it. That's just part of the deal. That's the observation. And the season of participation is much like that. And you can do those con- concurrently, really. Uh, that's the second one. Season to participate. Participate in all that we do. Restore weekend coming up. Sign up. Uh, be a part of that. Uh, David <laughs> Nasworth. I'm gonna pick on you, but he did uh, brand new at ANC. But he came in and did six of the seven or eight things that we had last time because he wanted to experience. He wanted to meet. He wanted to be a part of. And we're not asking you to do that. We're asking you to just do one. But if you want to meet a lot of people and experience a lot of things. Sign up for six, but do them. Okay? I think, that's, I think that was great. And I, I, I'd never seen that before. So uh, that was amazing. Uh, and then, um, oh, shoot, I lost my spot. Oh, part of, part of the season of participation is completing the Tangible Kingdom or Barefoot Church. We've just launched uh, some new restore groups, and they're going through this right now. Um, the, either the Barefoot primer or the tangible kingdom primer. And that's just basically teaching us how to refocus our, our, our minds and ourselves around community and mission. Those are the two things we push at ANC is community and mission. Those are the things we do well. It's community and mission. But a lot of that depends on whether you engage and do those things too. So uh, if you're already in a restore group, great. If you're not, we're going to have an opportunity for you to, to fill out a card and we're, we're organizing those this next week. Uh, a lot of you have already filled those out, and we're getting those together. So we're going to be sending those out uh, and organizing those this next week. We do it after every partner class, and we usually form about two or three. We might, we might have more than that this time. But restore groups are groups that get together. They do life together. They, they do a, a week-on, week-off format where they love their neighbor, they serve their city, and then they come together for Bible study and fellowship. So on weeks one and three, you do a Bible study, fellowship, eat together. Weeks two and four, you love your neighbor, you serve your city. That's engaging in our incarnational missions with your, with your neighbors and uh, engaging in mission um, in your community. So there's opportunities to do that. And then the last thing is completion of the partner agreement. If you've been through partner class already, 
you don't have to do this. Um, anybody else that's even thinking about what I would ask you to do today is this. After we finish here, we're going to have a time of communion and worship at the end. After we finish up here, we're going to have, what do we decide we're going to do? Pass them out if you need them. Where are they? Where are they here? That's just weird. No, it's not. We um, can do it. They're in there. It's called no polish. That's yeah. how we roll. Um, what we, just start sending these around the room. Yeah. And if, 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 if you're new to ANC and you're still checking us out, you're kind of in that season of observation. Single pages. So go ahead and fill out one of these, but don't sign it. But if you've been here for a while and you've observed and you're in, but you haven't had the chance yet to, to become partner, um, and you want to, go ahead and sign the bottom. So fill out your name, put the date, saying, I've been through this. I hear what you're saying. I'm still in that season of observation and participation, but I'm not signing yet. We're never going to come back to you and ask you to sign that, though. That's on you. If you ever at some point go, I want to be a partner, call us. It's a, it's a, it's a simple database thing for me. Um, and generally, we know. But what we're going to ask you to do then is after the service is over, take those out to the table. There's going to be a table out here. Um, take those, drop those off, signed or not signed. Um, if you're a partner of ANC, sign it. If you want to be a partner, sign it. If, you, if you're still hanging on, don't. So don't, don't hear me that I'm trying to coerce anybody into signing a partner agreement that you don't want to sign. If you want to take one home, take it home. Um, and then drop it off on the table. We'll have a, a Barefoot Church book for you. So if you're new and you haven't read Barefoot Church yet, uh, it's Brandon's book. I don't have a ton of them. I may have, maybe have 30. Um, but stop by the table out there, drop off that partner agreement, pick up a Barefoot Church book, and then, then we'll be done. So that's it. It's taking a little longer than we hoped, but here's the thing. You can join me on your feet while the band joins us. Yep. We're going to transition now into communion. I was explaining to a friend of mine who's a Lutheran pastor from South Central Wisconsin. He's like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? We were in Colorado Springs. I said, well, we're talking about our church and our partner class. And he's like, well, well aren't you going to preach the gospel? And I thought, boy, if anything ever was the gospel. It's a conversation around what this good news does in terms of organizations of people that posture themselves to reach the world. 